Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. Uh, just really quickly, I, I don't know that if, uh, that, you know, we all have different personalities and, and maybe uh, different things that get to us, but, uh, uh, you know, all the years of travel that I did, one of the things I really enjoyed or I got a kick out of as I saw a lot of crazy signs. And sometimes I wondered, why is that sign there? Um, you know, a sign that kind of, I, I think it's a good thing, but one that kind of bothers me is, uh, you know, you go to a restaurant or whatever, and it says, employees, wash your hands. And I think, do, really, do we have to tell, really, I mean, do we have to, and, and we live in a society, we kind of do, you know, that we, I mean, you want somebody washing their hands before they make your nachos, right? Yeah. And so I've seen all kinds of crazy signs, and, and these aren't some of the ones I've taken, but uh, we do have some pictures of some, just some signs that just really didn't make sense or kind of read funny, but speed bumps ahead when children are present. I think that could have been worded just a little bit different. Um, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm not looking at anybody. If I point at anybody, there's three fingers pointing back. You know, I wondered, is that really an actual sign somewhere? <laughs> um, let's go to the next one. Uh, yeah, I, you know, just read into it. I don't know. Uh, just thinking about it. I, you know, there's one more. There's kind of an infamous one that we kind of know. I don't know if you know way back about uh, somebody getting burned by McDonald's coffee. You may remember that whole thing. And so now you see on McDonald's coffee, right? caution you know contents hot i mean it's like really have we do we really got to put that on there that you know that coffee is hot unless there's ice in it i assume that coffee is hot but i you know sometimes i see signs and i wonder the why um behind the sign what happened that uh they had to make a sign, you know, and, and talk about that. And so this morning, I really want to talk about the why just for a moment of why Christ came. We see images and pictures all through Scripture of the reason that Christ came, um, many of which I'm, I'm, I'm going for one specific thing this morning, but, uh, you know, I think about uh, the Scripture that talks about that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's one of the reasons why that Christ came, was to destroy the works of the devil. And we see those, those Scriptures all throughout the New Testament. But kind of get where I want to go. I want to just give a highlight of just three chapters. We're not going to go through all three chapters. We're just going to kind of look at some specific things because it all leads to something. And we're going to start that in John chapter 7. John chapter 7, and I want to just read it quickly. John chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. It says, After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters, or the, the festival of tabernacles, or Sukkot. And we're talking about more of that in just a moment. And Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things. And the, big, the thing is, that it's, when you're reading this, it sounds like that Jesus' brothers 
or being positive, but that if tells us something very specific, and we'll see that unravel right here. If, um, if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself in the world. Verse 5, for even his brothers didn't believe him. Jesus replied, now it is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on, I'm not going to this festival. You go on, I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. Verse 9, and after these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly staying out of public view. And I, I had all this, we're going to talk about what the, the Feast of Tabernacle is, and I don't have time to, to, to open that up and to dig that up, but there, it, there's something being set up right here, and what's being set up is some Jesus is about to reveal some things about himself, not just to the people, to the mass people, but also to the religious people, to the Pharisees, and there's going to be some things said by Jesus. Matter of fact, if you read John 7, 8, 9, and 10, you'll see that there's many times where the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus, wanted to, to take him out, but it, it just they never had the opportunity. The door never opened for that to happen. There's a reason for that, because there wasn't time for that yet. But Jesus was going to confront many of the religious people of the day, and these people were the, the culture shapers of the day. They were the spiritual authorities of that day, and, and Jesus was saying some very specific things, but what is significant about what they were celebrating in the Feast of Tabernacles is Jesus was really stepping on the scene and saying, there's all kinds of form of religion that you guys have been following, but I want, and I'm, of course I'm paraphrasing right here, this is, this is Pastor Todd's vernacular, is that I'm the fulfillment of that you've been following for 1,600 years. You've had all these festivals, you've had all these rites and rituals, but you need to know they are fulfilled in me, that I'm going to fulfill them. Well, you know the religious and the high priests of the day, that really, they didn't like that. That made them mad. That made them, they weren't happy about that. And so we see in verse, in chapter 7, this unfolding, and then Jesus begins to say some very direct things, and some very significant things begin to happen. You look in chapter 8, you see the woman, the very first thing, John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. Do you remember about that story, that the, 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 these men caught her, and you're, you know, fill in the blanks. I don't know how that happened, but, you know, somebody had to have been spying on somebody. And so they catch this woman. They bring her to Jesus, and that's where Jesus begins to write in the dirt, right, with his finger. And then he says to her, you know, and then, of course, the men start leaving, and he says to her, you know, who accuses you? They're all gone, and go and sin no more. Very specific things begin to happen. We see that Jesus begin to declare right after that. He declares that he's the light of the world and that he's going to die for their sins. He says, uh, he begins to teach in John chapter 8, you, you know, in verses 30. We, we're real familiar with verses 32 and 36. Because it's those two verses, you should know the truth, and the truth of what will set you free. But what Jesus was saying there, he wasn't saying that truth was a message. He wasn't saying that truth was some words. He was saying that he was truth. That truth is a person. And so this really began to upset 
uh, the religious of that day. Uh, and, the ferret, and, and then it kind of caps it off. You kind of get to the end of chapter 8. And he pretty much tells the Pharisees, as point blank, you guys are of the devil. I mean, he straight out tells them, well, that didn't make them happy either. And so we pick up in, verse nine, in chapter 9. So you gotta, all this celebration is going on. And what this celebration was about was they would uh, uh, build these shelters. The Feast of Tabernacles is really what it is. It happens every year. This year it happens for eight days in September. But it, what the Jewish people do, they build these um, shelters with, with open roofs covered in leaves so they can still see the stars. And what it is is to symbolize the dwellings that they lived in for 40 years when they were in the wilderness. And it's a time of us family. I mean, we, I mean, we're entering a time of family reunions, right? That maybe many of you are planning trips. You got family reunions. You you get together. You have a fun time. You you come together. And so that's kind of the atmosphere of it. But so we see the religious of the day mad. We see that he begins to to garner this following of the people. This the common people. And then something happens. John chapter nine. As he passed by. He saw a blind man from birth. Now, what makes significant about this is two things. One is that it's on the Sabbath that Jesus sees this blind man. And number two, the disciples ask a very specific question. But the thing I want to point out first is that in the midst of all this, in the midst of all this, that Jesus saw the man. And I just really, the reason I still wanted to preach this this morning is to tell you that Jesus sees you. That Jesus sees you. There may be a lot of stuff going on in life. There may be a a lot of busyness. There may be a a lot of arguments. There may be a lot of trials and tribulations and junk and stuff. But you need to know this morning that through it all that Jesus sees you. He knows right where you are. He knows right what you're going through. He knows what you're facing. He knows what every hurt is. He knows what every problem is. He knows what every battle is. He sees you. He sees you right where you are. And it's not that just that he sees you, but you got to know that he sees you and that he has the power to do something about where you're at. When he saw that blind man, he knew immediately that he was going to heal him. And you may be facing something. You need to know it's just not that God sees you. And he's like, oh, you know, there's, there's Molly. Oh, yeah, there, yeah, whatever. It's not that he sees you that way. What he sees is, is what you're going through. And that not only that, not only does he see it, not only has the power to do it, but he wants to do it. He has the power to do it, and he has the compassion and the want to to do something right where you are at. Are you hearing me this morning? Jesus sees you. He saw that blind man. But a question was asked by the, the disciples or the people around him, rather, and they said, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? You see, there was a belief in the day that whenever there was some infirmity, something going on, it was because of generational curses and sin in the past that carried down. And I want you to know this morning, I, I'm, not, I'm not unopening that, uh, that onion this morning. There are some that uh, give very compelling arguments about generational cur- curses, and there are some that give very compelling arguments that there's not generational curses. But I want to tell you this. It doesn't matter what the curse is. What matters is the blood was shed to break the curse. 
It doesn't matter. I know that maybe our, our, we, there, there may be a propensity in our families of alcoholism or abuse or fits of rage or anger or addiction. It doesn't matter what the pattern has been. God sets up a new pattern for you, a new way to live, and God can do it for you today. It doesn't matter the hurt, God can heal it. I know that it may be deep down inside, but God sees where no one else sees. And God can heal what no one else can heal. And he wants to do it for you today. He wants to do it for you. He knew where you were an hour ago. He knows where you'll be tomorrow. He knows if, you know, it's like he knew that Zacchaeus was on the limb of the sycamore tree. He knows he sees you. I mean, the Bible says in Luke chapter 12, what is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins, that God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than the whole flock of sparrows. Nathan, he, he knows the hairs on your eyebrows, man. There's an old song that says, why should I feel discouraged? Why should, I, should the shadows come? Maybe some of you are familiar with this song. Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know that he watches me. But he doesn't stop there. He says in verse 3, John chapter 9, verse 3, It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered, This happened, this happened, so the power of God could be seen in him. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Listen to me. What is happening in your life right now that is just a setup for the power of God to move? Did you hear what I said? I know when you see the problem. I know when you hear the diagnosis. I know that when you, whatever it is that happens that kind of shakes and rattles your world, it's difficult in that moment to see with eyes of faith. But I'm going to tell you, child of God, what you can look at is any storm, any situation, any, any problem, any issue, any, any transgression, any, and know that God is just setting up something to display the power of who he is. I'm going to tell you this morning that the old can stop with you and the new can start with you. Some of you in this room this morning, you're first generation believers. You're, I mean, you're really sold out to God. And you need to know this morning, it doesn't matter what mom and dad did. It doesn't matter what grandfather and grandmother did. What matters is what God is starting in you, in you this morning. But you can sort up not a lineage of, of problems and issues and pain, but you can set up a, a lineage of, of godliness. You see, I'm going to tell you, it's just as important to understand that, see, salvation, it all it works the same way. Is that you can't go off, right? We've heard it, I've heard it said all my life, you can't get to heaven on your mom's coattails. Not that my mom ever wrote a coat, but anyway, that's all another story. But you, that, because if you have godly parents or, or grandparents, you may have a great heritage, but that's not what gets you into heaven because salvation is individual. It's your choice. It's your decision. 
And so when you look in the past, you need to know I can either carry on what's happening or I can stop what's happening. He says this each time in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I love this promise. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. That's why I want to see God's power at display. But it doesn't stop there. Uh, Jesus did something very interesting. You know what he did? He, uh, he spit in some mud, made some mud, and wiped it on the guy's eyes. And, you know, I, you know, I, listen, I, I don't know whether to digress here or not. I want to so bad. So we live in a day, in a culture, you really need to have discernment who you're listening to. I mean, on the TV, on the radio. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking to secularly. I'm talking in the Christian world, too. You need to be discerning on, on who you're taking in and what they're teaching. You, you, you really do. And, um, but, and, and, and there's a lot of stuff that happens on Christian television. I mean, it just, it really leaves me shaking my head. But then I also got to, re- I understand that, listen, I mean, could you imagine, just, to, just for a moment, imagine if Jesus was walking today, or we were in Jesus' day, and he knelt down and grabbed some dirt and spat in it and made some mud and put on a guy's eyes to, for healing. I mean, what would be your first reaction? Go get a bowl of cocoa puffs, right? I mean, that, that would kind of be our instant reaction. But here's Jesus. He spits in the mud, puts on the guy's eye. But he tells him to do something very specific. He tells him to go to this place and wash it off. And I, you can go back and read it. I'm not going to take the time to read the whole passage. But they give the, it's kind of a mix of, depending on your translation that you're using, it gives the name of the place to go wash it off, Salome. And it's, it's taken from the Old Testament but just to make the whole process shorter, there's an English meaning for the name of this water that he was supposed to go wash his eyes in, and the place was named Scent. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. I don't think that was by accident, and I don't think that I'm reading into what Scripture is saying. I think I'm pulling out of a message being given to us, but he's to go to this pool, and this pool, this, this water was built by King Hezekiah, and it was built for a specific purpose. It was built so that when the city was under siege, or there was a ba- somebody listen to me, or when there was a battle, or when there was a war, or something going on they had a place to go get water to sustain them and to refresh them they had a place to go to sustain them and refresh them when they were in the middle of the battle they were hemmed in by the enemy but they had a place to go to be refreshed by the spirit and the and of God you see that's not the only thing sent when I look through scripture I see in John 17 where Jesus says father you sent me I see in John chapter 12 where Jesus said, Father, you have sent me. I read in John 3, 16 where he said, For God so loved the world that he what? He sent his one and only Son. I'm going to tell you this morning that Jesus is that water. Jesus is that place to be refreshed. You may feel like you're, 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 the enemy's coming in on you like a flood, but you got a place to go in Jesus, the sent one, to be refreshed and to be restored. I, I came to preach this morning. I don't, are, are you here? Glory to God. 
He is the sent one. He came. That, that, the, these waters, I believe, symbolize that, that work of Jesus, the sent one, for that sustaining power, for that refreshing, for that renewing. And then we pick up in, ver- in chapter 10. We pick up in chapter 10. And it says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now I want to set something, all this is setting something up. All this is to, to speak something to you this morning. And, and so Jesus is give this illustration like he did so many times that we are the sheep and, and he is the shepherd. And I, you know, I've never really like Googled it to really find, find out if it was for real, but uh, what I've heard all my life is that sheep are stupid. Sorry if I, I'm, you know, I'm a sheep too. It's, you know, some, I'm shepherd and sheep, and I've heard that sheep are so dumb that if they got an itch on their head, they'll bang their head against a post until it kills. I don't know if that's true, but uh, I, 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 I got a feeling it might be a little bit. And so you're wondering, okay, are you insulting us, God? What, what's your... But here's what I do know, is that the shepherds in the day, they were not like a, you know, a bunch of a, a, a cuddly, uh, teddy bear soft men. The shepherds in the first century, they were, they were a rough sort. They weren't allowed to testify in court. I mean, the people, the culture really looked down upon shepherds. And yet this whole time, Jesus is saying, matter of fact, you will read it in John 10, 11, I'm the good shepherd. And so he's, he's, he's comparing himself to something that really doesn't make sense except for that how they're looked down upon. And then we pick up in verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. And as I was reading, as I, I you know, Friday night we did, uh, we had a kind of our first part of a EXO conference and uh, a marriage, uh, kind of, you know, night together of building up. And, and Jimmy Evans was doing the, the keynote message and he, he started talking about something, something I've heard preached so many times, something that I've heard him preach so many times. And it's a real important thing to understand that you know, what, he, what he opens up is in Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 4, we see a very powerful scripture. And what that scripture is, is do not let the sun go down in your wrath. And, and really what that's talking about is your anger. Don't, don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed angry with someone. Because the Bible in Ephesians 4, 25, 26, and 27 begin to lay something out very important. And it's because the next phrase is this is that it gives opportunity to the devil. It gives a foothold to the devil. And what Jimmy Evans does, he opens this up and he says, what that is, is the spirit of slander. And he says, you really got to think about something, who that you're listening to, because if you go to bed angry and you're letting that anger churn in you, what you're doing, you're allowing the slanderer, the devil, be your counselor. Isn't that, I wish I could take credit for that. But that's all Jimmy Evans. I, maybe he heard it somewhere years ago. I don't know. But um, Jesus, in a sense, he's saying, he's, he's telling the Pharisees, what he's saying is, the Pharisees are giving you bad counsel. I don't know about you, but I want the Holy Spirit to counsel me. Anybody else? I mean, I want the Holy Spirit to be the one. 
I want to do the things in my life where it sets up the Holy Spirit speaking into my life. Do I get it right all the time? No, I don't. I don't at all. But I know this, we need to be a people that hears his voice. And I, I want to, I don't know if you've seen this, I've got I've to show this. And so I, some time ago, I came across a video, I think somebody may have missed it. Usually Derek kind of messages me this kind of stuff, but it may be, I don't remember. But I, I, I think I saw it on social media or whatever. But uh, the power of the sheep knowing the shepherd's voice. I, I want you to see this because it illustrates it perfectly. pretty cool illustration I think that nails it if you didn't hear what was going on the other test subjects they were trying to call those sheep and those sheep were not responding but when that shepherd called to them they knew his voice and so it all it it, it all kind of comes down, <clears throat> down to this and I'm going to skip a whole lot of content here just to get to verse 10 and verse 10 tells us this the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, I, I know I went through chapter 7 and kind of 8 and 9, and now we're in, in chapter 10, and I gave that broad summary to give a picture to tell you this. This world that we live in, this society that we live in, I'm going to tell you, it is not out for your best interest. It is not out to give you the answer to your problems. It's here to add on to your problems. I'm going to tell you why. And I know I've said this in different ways in so many ways, but listen to me. This culture that we live in is the Antichrist culture. 
I know that there's the anti, right, Jesus said the Antichrist spirit is already at work. We are in the last days, folks. We are, we are in the last days, and you're going to see a separation. I mean, aren't we already seeing that of the highly offended and the political and all that's going on, and then we're seeing it weed its way into the church? I'm going to tell you something. We need to get tuned in to the master's voice, to the shepherd's voice, but here's why. It's to our benefit. It's to our benefit. Why? Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came what? He came to bring life and to bring it abundantly. And I'm going to tell you something. Until you hear his voice, you're not going to experience life. I said, until you hear what he's saying and what he's calling out to you, what, how the Holy Spirit's trying to counsel you, you're not going to find life and life abundantly. You've got to tune in with the Holy Spirit speaking. The enemy's going to lie to you. Culture's going to lie to you. Why? Because it wants to see you torn down and destroyed. But God wants you to have life and life abundantly. I, you know, I was thinking about, can I just take a few more minutes? Is that Okay. I, um, I wish I'd have done it now. I regret I didn't do it. But my wife, she is, she has this bag. And this bag is usually a backpack. And that backpack is usually all the just-in-case stuff. Any other moms like that? I mean, it's, you know, some, I mean, when we first got married, I would, I, I'd kind of pick at her. I'm like, because all the just-in-case stuff, you know, whether it be a missions trip or Six Flags. I mean, roll of toilet paper, toothbrushes, medicine, wound kits, Tootsie Rolls, beef jerky, oatmeal cream pies, bug repellent, sunscreen. I mean, and you know, and when we were like, when we were in Chiapas, and, uh, and you found out really quick, they don't provide a toilet seat. Or toilet paper. You're like, Angela, I need that just-in-case bag, babe. And you're like, I'm so thankful she was ready with the just-in-case bag. She had an abundance of whatever I needed. She had an abundance of whatever was needed. And I want to tell you that life abundantly, that's exactly what it is. Jesus is trying to say, listen to my voice. Tune out the enemy. Tune out that secular world. Tune out the ones that are trying to make fun of you and tear you down and pull you down. Tune out the, the sins of the past and, and, the, and the stuff that's rolled down generation after generation. Push all that aside. And would you hear me call out to you? Because I've got something for you. And it's to bring you life and life abundantly. You don't have to live life that way anymore. And he says, I've got it abundant. I've got my, Jesus has got, Jesus has got his just-in-case bag. And he's saying, do you need peace? I've got it. Do you need healing? I've got it. Do you need forgiveness? I've got it. I've got all that you need. Listen to me, church. Jesus came to set you free from the restrictive boundaries of life created by thieves and robbers 
who want to rob your peace, your joy, your freedom. Jesus came so you don't have to figure out the price for every single mistake you've ever made and try to pay it because his blood covers it all. Jesus came so you don't have to earn your way to heaven. It is a gift from heaven, that righteousness that, that he gives us. Jesus came so that in place of empty tradition and mindless rituals, we can have a personal relationship with him that is between us and him. Jesus came so that you don't have to find your place of worth by looking at other people. Instead, you can look to him and know that you are loved and that you are valued. Jesus came to lead you out of the bondage and into the wide open space of his love and grace. Jesus came so that you could experience forgiveness and grace and freedom and abundant life and you can know his voice and follow him today and when you do, he will lead you beside quiet waters and green pastures. Glory to God. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.